So let's take that breath of love and gratitude and turn within. Grateful and thankful to open our hearts and open our minds to the infinite intelligence, divine love, true wisdom. We are grateful and thankful to call forth the higher Holy Spirit self into our awareness. We're partnering up to remember and recognize the truth of our being, which is that we are already perfect. No improvements are needed. We're letting go of any idea that improvements are needed so that we can see our perfection and our wholeness. We are laying on the altar as a holy offering every thought of less than perfect. Any idea that something is missing or lacking, we're letting it go now. We're giving the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. We're grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds to receive a healing. We're letting the light shine in our awareness. And we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. We join together for the holy purpose of our awakening, knowing that we're being met led and guided by spirit we are grateful and thankful to join together for this beautiful purpose so we allow the healing to be we let it be and so it is amen 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 yes so our week two of trust and faith we'll be doing uh, as many as spirit guides and directs and, and we'll be heading into the relationship classes there'll be big focus on relationship uh, for a while because we all uh, are already know that really our relationships are the best learning tool that we have and um, in, in, in regard to trust and faith uh, I would like to share with you some more things about forgiveness because trust and faith are directly related to forgiveness. So as you know, just to recap, what I teach about forgiveness is it is the teaching of A Course in Miracles, but a lot of people miss it in the Course. It's really non-judgment. It's really letting the judgments go. It's letting the interpretations and the meaning we made of things go and giving it to the Holy Spirit and being able to step back and say, I don't know what anything is for, except it is for my good. It is for my healing. Uh, everything works together for my good. There are no exceptions. And uh, it does take great learning and great willingness to be able to stand in the place of saying that that everything is working together for my good all that I, I I learn I'm actually remembering and so we don't we don't really have to have lessons and certainly there's no punishment from God none whatsoever however when we are repeating the patterns of the past and the beliefs of the past and it feels painful, it can easily feel like we're being punished. But who's the punisher? 
if we are responsible for everything that we see, right? The responsibility for sight section in A Course in Miracles. I am responsible for all that I see. And essentially, everything is just as I wish it would be. That's my little rhyming poem that I use to remind myself. Um, so I can ask myself when there's resentment, regret, guilt, blame, shame, anything that sets off the divine alarm clock, I can say, hmm, why would I wish it to be like this? Why would I wish it to be like this? Why am I choosing this way to remember my perfection, my wholeness, and the perfection and wholeness of everyone on this planet? Why am I choosing this method for my remembering, my learning, my awakenings? All same thing. And to step back without any attitude, without any judgment or opinion. So that's what true forgiveness is. It's being able to step back and say, I don't know what anything is for, but I certainly either like to know what it's for or let the meaning I made of it go. Because the thing that bothers us is the meaning we made of it. It's our interpretation that bothers us. It's not actually what happened. Although many, many, many times we misinterpret things and think that it's what happened that is the thing that bothers us. So once we have truly forgiven, then what happened usually doesn't bother us anymore because once we let go of the meaning we made of it and stop suffering over that meaning, we can see the benefit. We can harvest the learning. We can experience the wisdom and the clarity and the freedom that comes from it. So uh, one of the things that I did in my personal experience of my healing was right around the time uh, that I started to study A Course in Miracles, which was the end of 2005, the beginning of 2000, well, no, end of 2000, well, it was 2006, early 2006, actually. And then more assiduously in 2007. Um, right around that time, I graduated from ministerial school in 2006, became a licensed minister, and um, and that was when I said, oh, good, now I can pick up A Course in Miracles and, and see what that's about. And I loved it right from the start, just loved it. And right in that time, end of 2005, um, was when my mom started to get sick. And then in the spring, <coughs> March 2000. Six, no, 2005, she got her cancer diagnosis. See, I don't look back very often except when I'm teaching a class, so I forget, you know, what happened and when it happened. But um, basically, as they say, the fit hit the shan, you know, in my life. It became a hurricane. 
it became just uh, this tremendous sense of like one betrayal after another. You know, my my sweetheart, my best friend, my spiritual community, my mom's cancer. Uh, there was uh, another person, a spiritual teacher, who was mentoring me, who totally just pulled a crazy, crazy, crazy stunt on me. And um, so my buttons were getting pushed every way comes, you know, just every way possible. It was just a real storm, a real hurricane. And I was getting triggered just all day long, so intensely. And I became very aware of how intensely judgmental I was. I always knew I was a very judgmental person, but I became so aware that I was absolutely addicted to forming opinions and that I, my identity was completely wrapped up in the one who, I, I am the one who judges. I'm the one who decides who's good and bad in my world. I, I know what everything's for. I became very aware of that. And I, the thing with my best friend, the thing with my spiritual community, the thing with my boyfriend, the thing with my mom, every single one of those things was on its own uh, enough to really just make me feel so uh, angry and upset and hurt and frightened and worried and whole gamut of upset. But combined, it was crazy. So I made a decision to that, that I was going to heal my mind uh, and these experiences were going to help me do that that I was going to practice non-judgment to such a degree that I would forgive everything in all directions of time and space. And that's what I used to pray all the time. I am forgiving everything in all directions of time and space, known and unknown, felt and not felt, recognized and unrecognized. And that just intensified things. It just intensified things. Uh, and I found myself in uh, a three-day cycle that just kept repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. And there we go. I call it now, I called it, I started calling it the twisty turnies. And um, the day one, it was a three day cycle. So the first day would be, it would be, it started in the middle of the night. I would begin praying. I was always praying in the middle of the night, still do it. <clears throat> I trained myself that if I woke up in the middle of the night to go into prayer immediately. And, um, uh, I always used, I used to love to have a big cup of tea before I went to bed. So I always would wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. 
And um, I don't do that anymore because I know it's better for me to sleep all the way through and I'm a very sound sleeper. So I, I don't have that cup of tea right before bed anymore. But And so I don't usually get up anymore. But if I got up to go to the bathroom, I would pray all the way there and back. And um, if I came to consciousness turning over in the bed, I would just immediately, my life is the life of God, and turn over. Just I would always be praying. Um, and so I, the for day one would be, I would have this energetic of just, I wanted to pray all the time. So I would find myself just praying and praying and praying. So uh, anytime I wasn't talking with someone or doing something, if I was doing the dishes of walk, going to get the mail out of the mailbox, uh, going down the stairs, uh, driving in the car, just all the time, praying, praying, praying. And, uh, and then day two uh, would feel like, like I had swallowed an alien baby that was trying to get out. Literally, my third chakra, solar plexus chakra, would just feel like some, you know, I just would really feel like there was something inside there that was trying to burst through and get out. And uh, I recognized that what was going on was I was shifting my identification from ego to spirit. And so uh, in that shifting identification, uh, my, my third chakra was having this massive clearing. And uh, because I was so identified with the judger, the complainer, the critic, the attacker, and now I was really clearing that out. So my ego, which to me feels focused in that, that solar plexus chakra, uh, was just um, having a conniption fit. Just really having a, uh, I think of the transcribers sometimes when I say words, conniption. Oh my God, where's that word? Um, <laughs> because the English is a second language for my entire transcription team. They do an amazing job. So, um, uh, conniption with a C. Isn't conniption with a C? I think it is, yeah. I see some heads nodding. Uh, and... So, do, do, you, do you remember the movie Alien, the original one with Sigourney Weaver, you know, and the thing, ah, came out of the stomach? Yeah. That's what I felt was happening inside, like that, that alien was inside my gut. And so the second day would be the twisty turnies, and I would just feel, ugh. And by the end of the day, I'd just be exhausted, just exhausted. And the, the day one, the dip praying all day, that was kind of exhausting too because it felt kind of feverish. And then day three would be like the day after the storm, you know, and the sun comes out and everything smells good and everything is luminous and radiant and beautiful. That would be day three. And I'd think, oh, this is great. Wow, this clearing is so good. And then day one, start all over again, you know, feverishly praying. And, and that three-day cycle uh, repeated for me for a long time. And during all that time, I just kept saying, 
I am forgiving everything in all directions of time and space. And I really pray to accelerate my healing. I am not recommending that anybody do that. I am not recommending it. I'm not dissuading you either. I'm not discouraging you and I'm not recommending it. If it's for you, you'll know it. If it's not, you'll know it. I am not a delicate person. I'm a highly sensitive person who's made like a mule. You know, like I, my, my constitution is one that could pull a plow. You know, I just, I, I have tremendous endurance and strength and stamina and fortitude. I am not a delicate person. And I, let me just tell you, after two years of doing that, I remember saying to my best friend, I am exhausted from doing this. I am exhausted by it. It's just continuous. I said, but if I have to be exhausted for the rest of my life and I can clear everything, I'm going for it. I don't care. It's worth it. But that's me. And uh, I would say the majority of people I meet are not that constitutionally strong you know i'm i'm i really see now now i see that i'm really built to um as a woman to be able to hold the energetic for thousands of people you know like in living a course of miracles we have thousands of people the radio show listeners thousands of people so i'm holding that energetic and um I, I think that's part of why my constitution is the way it is. So you have to know yourself. You really have to know yourself and not, uh, you know, there's, we all know there's a difference between pushing yourself and pushing yourself so hard you damage yourself. One time I pushed myself so hard that my adrenals were really strained. And I will never do that again. I'll never do that again. I ignored uh, what was going on, and I just kept pushing and feeling because I never experienced um, adrenal burnout, so I didn't know. But I, I learned my lesson. I wasn't, I was able to recover after a couple of months, which was a very uh, uh, good recovery time. You know, some people it takes them a, a year to recover. Um, so um, I just, I really caution you. There's, there's no race and there's no hurry. Uh, I just really, I just didn't want to suffer anymore. I just was really done with it. And uh, so much of what I've learned, I learned during those couple of years, I learned how to make it easier. And that's a lot of what I share with you, is how to make it easier. Because back then, I was just learning to give the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. You know, I still was thinking, oh, I have to do a lot of this. And, and now I know, no, no, no. That's, that's an error in thinking. That's separation thinking, thinking that we have to do it. And I'm so grateful that it's so crystal clear in A Course in Miracles that says to us, you can't do it. So stop thinking that you can or you have to. Just give it to the Holy Spirit to do. And that's where the faith comes in. So this is the connection between forgiveness and faith. Because if there's upset, there's 
forgiveness to be done. And I have to say, I do not like the word forgiveness, so I just prefer to use non-judgment. So if there's upset, there is non-judgment to be practiced, there's judgment to be released. And there's no two ways about it. No matter what the upset is, it's always because of our interpretation. It's always because of our interpretation, no matter what the upset is. There's no exceptions to that. So uh, that's what true forgiveness is, is giving up our attachment to our interpretations, the meaning we made of it, the decisions that we made. And it takes faith to be able to hand those judgments over to the Holy Spirit. It takes faith that if we let go of the judgment, that we're not opening ourselves to be attacked again or to be hurt again or to wound ourselves again, right? So can anybody, uh, actually, what I'm going to ask you all to do is to turn within here for a moment and think of some grievance you have, some wound, some grievance, some upset that hasn't yet been healed. And see if you can clearly identify what is your interpretation, what is the judgment, the meaning that you made of it, that may just possibly be false, or maybe you know it's false, but you still are clinging to it, which is very common. Lord knows I've done that. You're still arguing, still making your case for your opinion. And let's take a look at some of these and see that we, if we can figure out how it, how it has to do with faith and trust. So if, you, if you're considering, and still with your eyes closed, if you're considering that opinion, that judgment, the meaning you made of it, the interpretation that hasn't healed, and can you see in any way how maybe in your mind, your judgment seems to you, to the ego, as some kind of defense or protection. That if you gave it to the Holy Spirit for healing, you might feel defenseless or without safety, without protection. And that it is a question of whether or not you can trust, A, the Holy Spirit to do the healing, and B, if you were to have a healing and not be judging it anymore, not be upset by it anymore, would you be just laying yourself open to have it happen again? Whether it's something you did or someone else did, if you release the judgment and the meaning you made of it, would you just be laying yourself open to the same 
painful experience again? Is it possible to trust the Holy Spirit that if you really release it, that your life would actually be better and safer, more beautiful, more joyful, more prosperous, more harmonious, and much, much safer? Is it possible to believe that in this instance that you're thinking of? So I'm going to invite you just to take two minutes here to make some notes. Two minutes to make some notes. Two minutes to make some notes. All right. So what I'd like to do now is to do a breakout, a short breakout, Um, maybe nine or so minutes. And uh, we're going to do breakout rooms with three people in them. So remember when the, I'll unmute everybody before we go into the breakout room. And then when you're in your breakout on your video screen, you're going to see a prompt and you need to click on the prompt to get into your room. If you're on the phone, you'll hear a prompt and you need to do what it says in order to um, get put into your room. Any questions before we uh, go into the breakout? Any question? 
So you're going to share what you came, came through for you. Um, let's see here. Uh, did you have a question, Laura? No. Okay. Um, all right. Maybe one group might have two people in it. So two most powerful people in the class. Um, all right, here we go. All right. Everybody has 60 seconds to finish up and come back. Just got a few more seconds here. So what did you learn? People are happy, they're laughing, they're smiling. So you're talking about these painful judgments and opinions you've been torturing yourselves with, and now you come back laughing and smiling. Okay, I wanna I wanna I'd like to know about this. I'd like to know about this. All right. Angela, I'm going to unmute you. Go. Well, I have to be really honest. No, don't be honest. No. All right, then. I'll There's no place for that in this <laughs> class. I just met a fellow Brit, so... Ah! Yeah, uh, from the same area. It was amazing. Lovely. Um, yeah, it was... So it was fun, too. We, we shared and uh, yeah, had fun. That's why. I, okay. Um, I've actually been doing this for the last couple of days, um, really, really praying. And today I was absolutely thrilled with myself because I stayed with spirit all day, um, most of the day. So in the car driving and you decide for me. And, mm -hmm. and that's really the first day that I've, I've stayed so long with it, with spirit. So, um, yeah, it was pretty tough. Yeah, so what, what have you learned? I, um, you mean from Aisha or myself? You mean in myself? Yeah, just, yeah, what have you learned that's um, helpful to you, inspiring to you? Just the, the trust is coming. That's what I've, I've learned. That it, it, it actually, it really is there. Um, and also, what is coming? Pardon? What is coming? The, the, the spirit really is there. And yes, there. And, yeah. and um, oh, I get, I get emotional. Yeah, I understand. And today I went um, and had a haircut and I said, you decide for me. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, it was, it worked fine. It was, you know, it was lovely, cheap haircut and it was great. And then I was drawn into the little thrift store next door and there was the most beautiful angel there. Just beautiful. And uh, thank you, spirit. Lovely haircut. Thank you, angels. And it just went on all day. And it's That's it. 
That's being in the zone. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's there. Nice. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah. Who else would like to share? What did you learn? What did you discover? No learning, no discovery? Okay, we've got uh, Deb here. I, I, what I learned was this exercise where I actually wrote down my judgments and then speaking them to the people in my group made it cl clearer to me what I, w what I was doing. So it was really nice. And then to have feedback. So I just, I appreciated it because this particular judgment has, I've been like, like a little stone in my shoe. It's been bothering me and I, I see it and I say, Oh, this is a judgment, but how do I give this judgment up? And where's my willingness? And so it was just nice to, when I wrote it down, instead of having it just go in my head and I'm trying to answer myself and then, talk to the two people in my group. It was good. Deb, would you be willing to share with the whole group what the judgment is? Um, sure, I, I am. I, I, it's more like I don't want to upset people because it's a, it, just stop me if I should stop, okay? I have my best friends, um, daughter was abused sexually abused when she was a child these people are both adults now the daughter is an adult too and the man is coming up for parole this very soon so it's been a really big upset in of course their lives are just figuring it out and then me i'm trying i'm there they're talking to me i don't know what to say except for oh i understand this is not easy and but then I go home and I think about it, okay, and I say, see both both sides and, you know, what is the meaning I have made of this, you know, and I, I wrote down children are innocent and should not be harmed and it, it, what, what did this act do for this person and then I think, I really think about the man in prison, like he, I said this, he could be studying A Course of Miracles and and really going through something like this himself too and wouldn't i give forgiveness to that per a person like that and, and then my brain goes back to but oh this is harming children is is a tough one so that that's where i'm that's where i am you know, Deb, that's actually uh, uh, very helpful for us because in this in this exercise about trust and faith. So, if we forgive the child molester, the person who has molested the child, what is it that we have to trust and have faith in the Holy Spirit or the higher self or God, whatever we'd like to call it? What what is it that we have to trust? 
and have faith in the Holy Spirit to do or not do. If we're going to forgive, what, what is it we, what's the assurance that we need in order to have the faith and the trust? I, I'm not sure, but I'll say all the things that are coming up for me. One right. is that, that I am safe or all, all people will be safe. I, I'm kept safe. And um, that, like, this, that, that they're watching over this man and his forgiveness, and he really is, he has learned and healed. Like, trust that he has healed also. Um, and that my, my friend and her daughter can can learn and heal and and go through so that so this pattern doesn't continue on and on in their lives forever so those are the three things that i think of yeah that that's extremely helpful i'm just going to open this up deb and see can anybody add anything to that you can unmute yourself and just jump right in anybody add anything to that Um, I guess for me, I just the assurances with any issues that I'll, I'll always be led when I think of it. Um, that's what I think of, yeah. Say it one more time. Sorry, that I'll always be led. That's the, that's the assurance. I'll always be told what to do. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So trusting that that you that you always be led and and then everybody else will be too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that, yeah that's helpful. I was going to say, kind of on the tale of Aisha, that I would trust. I would want to have faith that um, that it's all happening you know for the higher good i mean i don't know what it means and that there there is a plan that's for who's ever involved and of course us even knowing about it now makes us involved so you know but that it's for our our learning and growth yes that it's not all bad that there's actually some holy purpose behind it all Yes. Yeah, I see heads nodding. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Laurel. Tracy, did you want to share something? Yeah, it's uh, pretty similar to what Laurel was sharing. Um, what, what I'm realizing, like in, in this, well, in my situation too, actually, is um, that it's all about the healing of our mind and minds. So, um, and, and like she just said, now that we're aware of it, we're all can be involved in this healing for these people. Um, so to be, per, to be kind of in the Ho'oponopono and Course in Miracles type of teaching, um, working on those parts in myself, trusting that I can find um, with the Holy Spirit, the healing in myself that will also impact the other aspects of our one mind. Um, 
trusting in that, our oneness of mind and our perfection and letting go of all the mistaken ideas about ourselves and myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very much learning about that. It's hard. I keep taking it back. I trust and then I don't. I trust and I don't. But I liked your question about might that be because we don't feel safe. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, see, what's important for us to begin to recognize, Tracy, is that we don't feel safe because we don't trust. Mm-hmm. We think we don't trust because we don't feel safe, but it's actually the other way around. Mm-hmm. And A Course in Miracles has two um, great teachings that work together to help us understand this. It's um, if, I def- if I defend myself, I am attacked. And in my defenselessness, my safety lies. If I defend myself, I am attacked. And in my defenselessness, my safety lies. So I'll talk about those in just a minute. But um, did anybody else have any, anything they wanted to piggyback on what Deb shared? about how, how can we have faith um, in, in this situation? What, where, where is our doubt, really? Rieko? Oh. Um, oh, hi. <laughs> Just wanted to add to what um, Laurel and Tracy said about um, what we need to trust in that. Um, the words that came to me were that the that truth is true and and the meaning we made of it is false so love is really is all there is and the world where um, people could harm or hurt each other is the illusion yeah 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 and uh, that's, that's what's so challenging is to let go of this idea that we are vulnerable. And the, the only way to release that intense sense of vulnerableness, vulnerability, uh, and the intense sense of um, lack of safety, the only way there's no other way. The only way is to live in our loving heart. That's the only way to be invulnerable. Meaning it's the only way that we can really rise above the battleground where we're not getting hurt anymore. You know, and there's some confusion if you look at the great example of the life of Jesus the Christ. Um, his, his life very much demonstrated his invulnerability because of his loving heart. However, I, most people don't understand that he would not have gone through the crucifixion unless he chose it. 
He would not have gone through the crucifixion unless he chose it. He wouldn't have had to. He was far too masterful. He's an avatar. He would have easily escaped. Easily. It never would have been uh, through that. But that was his purpose, was to demonstrate the resurrection and the ascension. And so that um, very public crucifixion was essential in his plan to demonstrate the resurrection and the ascension. Uh, for people to get, you know, we are not of this world. We are not of this world. Let us not identify with the body. The body, and that's why he also raised his brother-in-law, Lazarus, from the dead. Lazarus was three days dead when Jesus got to him and he said, get up, Lazarus, get up. And Lazarus got up, three days dead. So, uh, that three days, and he was three days dead when the, he came out of the tomb, as we all know. So um, he would never have been crucified had he not chosen to be crucified. He was far too masterful. But you see, that's not the way his life is taught. So it's been taught for thousands of years that he um, was betrayed and that he was the innocent victim. But where, can you see anywhere in his whole life that what you know of it, that he was a victim? No, you can't. There was no time, no story where Jesus was a victim. So he certainly wasn't a victim at the end. And what I think, um, is uh, a beautiful realization is that you know it was uh, Peter uh, betrayed him according to the way the Christians look at it uh, Peter betrayed him um, gave him up and um, but if Peter hadn't done that he wouldn't have had the experience of Jesus not judging him. And it was Jesus not judging him. You could say forgiving him, but Jesus didn't judge him, so there was nothing to forgive. Because Peter betrayed him, seemingly, <clears throat> you know, leading to his death, and Jesus didn't judge him. That is the thing that opened Peter's heart that made it possible for him to be the one upon whom the church was founded. So he was the founder of the, the church, in theory, uh, upon Jesus' ascension. It was Peter that led uh, the teachings of the way because it so transformed him that Jesus didn't judge him that in that experience of non-judgment, or call it forgiveness, that he was transformed into being someone who could be the leader. Because his heart was healed. 
So, you know, we, we make the meaning of these things that things are bad, but we do not know what anything is for. And if we're labeling it bad, we definitely don't know what it's for. And it takes great willingness, which is faith. It is trust. Trust and willingness are the same thing. It takes tremendous trust, tremendous willingness to be able to say, I'm going to withdraw my energy from the meaning I made of it so that I can be free. So uh, to be able to pray that anyone who did anything intentionally or unintentionally to you, that their karma would be dissolved. You, you are not going to hold anything against them, whether you can remember it or not, right? Really forgiving everything known and unknown. And if you really get into this work and you're really choosing to become very awake and aware, you will start to notice throughout your day memories of things forgotten. Old judgments and opinions that come up like bubbles rising to the surface of the lake for you to pop them and let them go. But you, you, so you always have the choice. You can just say, oh yeah, I remember that happened. I don't need to hold that, uh, uh, you know, as a judgment anymore. I can let that go and bless that person, bless myself. You know, we remember mean things that we said and did, right? We need to forgive ourselves. We need to stop judging ourselves, condemning ourselves. So, any questions about that? Anything I just shared, any questions about that? And uh, I wonder if somebody else has an example like Deb had of the meaning that you, you saw, the meaning you made of it, and just beginning to really see that in order to release your judgment, you can see that it's actually an act of faith and trust that you won't be wounded again, you won't be attacked again, or that Many times it's we can't forgive ourselves because if we do, then we might commit the same offense again, whether it's against ourselves or someone else. Can you, anybody else have an example where you can see it's an issue of trust and faith that you could share with us? Jeannie. Um, well, in the sharing, it came up. Um, in mine, it was um, judgment of myself. And, um, and like you had said, I'm, I'm aware of it. And yet just, you know, hanging on and judging myself for hanging on. And, you know, the double whammy, double dip. And... <laughs> 
And so it's helpful to, to, to realize, well, why is that? Well, because if I, if I did let go, then what if I fail again? I, it's, it's trusting that, not like what Rieko said, that I will hear the guidance, I'm not trusting that I'm not going to be um, operating from the unconscious ego self, letting it lead. And um, number one, will I hear that guidance? And number two, will I take action on it? And I think really fearful, like, basically, there's going to be nothing out there. Like, I'm going to be in the wilderness, I'm not going to hear anything. And even if I do, then I won't follow it. So I'm, I'm doubly damned, right? I think really so that, and um, my, one of my partners, Deb, pointed out, yeah, you're right on the edge of trust. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's very well said. So it's, um, as you were talking, Jeannie, I, I, I got the image of the person who is in the, um, has fallen into the river, fallen out of the boat, and they've fallen into the river, let's say, and um, they're clinging to some kind of rock or branch stuck in the middle of the river, and they're being pummeled by the waves. And if they can let go and trust the river to carry them to safety, then the punishment will end. But um, it does require letting go and having trust. And there's uh, a very strong thought in the, as the Course of Miracles is almost completely about and dedicated to, this very strong thought that if we trust in faith, have trust and faith in letting go of these opinions and judgments and aligning with the higher Holy Spirit self, aligning with God, that then we're going to have to meet God's wrath for us having left God in our mind or uh, abandoned God or decided God wasn't good enough for us. We had to make our own illusion within, you know, paradise. We had to create this hellish illusion um, and that we're definitely going to be punished for. We're going to be punished for all the mean things we've said and done, all the ways that we have wasted our energy, our seemingly just in our mind, these are our judgments, you know, that all of this is going to be heaped upon us. And, and God is angry. You know, we have messed up. God is angry and we're going to get punished. So we resist uh, being the prodigal son who goes home to uh, his parents' house, you know, where we're still in, uh, many times we find ourselves still in that place where uh, the prodigal son was living with the pigs and realizing the pigs eat better than he does and that uh, he's in a very, very difficult situation. Uh, and finally, when he decides, he realizes it would be better for me to be a servant in my father's house than to stay here with these pigs better for me to go home with humility because it would require humility for him to go home better for me to go home ask for forgiveness and offer to be a servant in my father's house than to stay here and of course 
he doesn't have to be a servant in his father's house in the way that we think of someone cleaning the floors, but he, he serves, and we, and we all serve, to serve the light, to serve love, to serve our mother, father, God, to serve our, ourselves. And uh, when we decide to go home, and allow ourselves to be loved and re- welcomed and to realize there will be no judgment but our own. There's just our own judgment. There's not going to ever be anyone else's judgment, just our own. And when it seems like others are judging us, it's just our projection. I mean, there are times when other people judge me, and it just doesn't bother me at all. Even in my family, you know, sometimes family members will judge me and it just like I don't hold those same judgments so their judgments just don't bother me yeah I think I think that's awesome I I think I didn't consciously think about the fear of God right and the prodigal's tongue but I did write down I wanted to be you know I'm I'm afraid like, will I be loved? Right. And, and that, that, and, and then when, as you were speaking, I realized too, another fear unconscious that I wasn't aware of was I'm going to be asked to do something that I really don't want to do. Exactly. There's always that fear that we're going to be asked. We're going to be asked to usually to give up something that we think we need. And maybe like what kind of thing in this case, even Jeannie, what would be the thing that you might be asked to do that you don't want to do? Oh, specifically work in, in, in some way that I don't want to like uh, a meet, something that has no meaning for me, <clears throat> kind of like the, just you, you have to suffer. You have to work. There's, there's, you cannot have any joy in your work. That's really it. So what, what, um, why, why would that ever in a million years serve the creator God? <laughs> it, it, I, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. It does not make sense. It is insanity. So, but, but you see, if somewhere in your history of lifetimes or whenever it was, we don't need to isolate or figure out when it was. But if at some point in your long history, you made this decision that you should be punished. Or maybe it was you made the decision that somebody else should be punished. And you inflicted that punishment on them. You became the punisher then it might be your karma in this lifetime to take on that belief that you don't deserve or you, you know, might have to be punished by having work that you don't enjoy, that's meaningless, that's a drudgery. We don't know what the karma is. We just know there's a belief there that at one point it made sense to you and it doesn't anymore. And you can let it go. And give it to the Holy Spirit. You just have to really decide you're done with it. 
you know so for me it's that i've learned as much as i can learn from this uh and even if i could learn some more it's not how i want to learn it so (laughs) no really you know i must have decided wrongly because i'm not at peace I'm the one who made that decision and I can make a new decision, which is I'm going to let the Holy Spirit decide for me. So I can be at peace and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit undo all the consequences of my wrong decision. Right? That's a prayer at the end of chapter five in the text. Yeah, that's really helpful, Jeannie. Thank you. Thank you. So if we can understand that willingness is trust, we build our faith through acts of trust. Trust is something we do in time and space, in the temporal world, in order to cultivate the remembrance of the truth that sets us free. The, it's, our, it's our remembrance of the truth that is our faith. So we cultivate that active practice of trust, which means leaving it on the altar, invoking the Holy Spirit or the guardian angel or whatever you'd like to call it, the I am presence, invoking that higher self to do the work. And remember, You can just, this is the, if you go back to the weeks when I was talking about the divine alarm clock, the slightest disturbance in your mind, you don't have to, or in your body, or in your emotional body, you don't have to know, even know what it's about. It could be, you know, free-floating anxiety, as it's called, right? Um, Where you just don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. Whatever the disturbance is. You can have it healed back to the root cause by means of your willingness, which means by means of your faith and trust. So it's very valuable to see the role of faith and trust in forgiveness because it is the willingness. So in God, all things are possible, but it's for those of us who have faith that we're going to experience the miraculous. So we we discipline ourselves through the practice of trust. And if we are judging, our trust and our faith is in our own discernment. It's still in the meaning we made of it. It's in our judgment. So when there's no forgiveness, there's no peace because we're clinging to our judgments. Our faith is in our interpretation. And that's why we feel lost. That's why we feel despair. That's why we get depressed. Because in spirit, we know that placing our faith and trust in our judgments and our opinions is the one thing that will keep us from the truth that sets us free. And that's why we go into despair. We think 
We think, oh, this thing happened. And that's why I went into despair. This person died. And that's why I lost my job. That's why my, my spouse is cheating on me. My, my child is a drug addict. But, you know, the, we think these are the reasons why we're in despair or why we're in fear. But it's actually because of the meaning we make of it. And the fastest way to unwind the meaning we make of it is to give it to the spirit for healing. But we don't do that if we don't have trust and faith. But you see, in our mind, we, like, if you look at the prodigal son, in his mind, right, his story of the prodigal son, because not everybody actually knows that story. The prodigal son went to his father, and he said, I'd like to have my inheritance now, please. And his father gave it to him, and then the son went out, and he spent it. He squandered it on, you know, wine, women, song, whatever, sex. Could have been men. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Uh, but he squandered it in the pleasing his senses, having sensual experiences and adventures and the kinds of things that young men often do, right? And uh, Or the young people do. And so then he was bankrupt he didn't have anything and he was destitute he didn't have any skills you know he didn't have anything he so he wound up on a farm where he was living with the pigs and working with the pigs and you have to remember that jesus was a jew talking to jews and do we have any 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 people of jewish uh all right so, uh, who, who, who's, all right, great. So I'm just going to go back to Angela. Angela, what, what do the, what do the Jews think about pigs and pork? Oi. Oi. No, what is the. They're not clean. They're not clean. No. And so the, and the Jews want, they don't eat them. Because they're unclean. Yeah. So here he is. He's living with them. I don't, the, I don't practice this anymore. But you, you know, I don't. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But if you just think of Jesus in, in the time, Jesus is a Jew. He's telling the story. It's a, remember, it's a parable. It's not like a true story of his friend, prodigal, right? It's, it's a parable to... to to you know because you can just imagine he's telling this to a bunch of jews right who don't eat pork because it's unclean and he's saying this wealthy son you know goes out and squanders his father's whole inheritance and you can just see all the people he's he's telling the story to and they're going oh my god that's so horrible he's so you know oh my god he lost everything and then Jesus says, yeah, to the point where this schmuck, he's living with the pigs. He's living with the pigs. And they're like, oh, oh, it's disgusting. Oh, Jesus, make it stop. Oh, I can't take it. He says, no, wait, but listen, this is what he had to do. He had to be so brought so low 
that he finally could see I could go home. He remembered his father and mother's love. I could go home. They, maybe they would take me in. I could offer to be a servant in my father's house. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that would take some humility. Yeah, that would take a lot of humility. Gee. And Jesus says, yes, and the love of his parents drew him home. That he could be so humble. And they were so happy. Because imagine, you th they thought he was dead. They thought he was gone. They'd never see him again. They didn't know. Maybe he would die somewhere in a brothel or something. And they're like, oh, my God. Right? So we think when you put it in context, it helps. It's also funnier, too. So um, just, it's so important to laugh. So we're, we're all the prodigal son. And it's, now it's our turn to realize I can go home and be a servant in my mother, father, God's house. And I would have a better life than here in my mind where I'm living with the pigs. In the muck and the mire. So the prodigal son had some faith that it was worth taking that journey. And he couldn't have done that without humility. So humility is part of the, the, the power of faith and trust. We have to have enough humility that we don't need to be in charge of everything anymore. That we, we have to have enough humility that we can see the value of putting the higher power in charge. Now, we're, we're at time here. Uh, I, I want to just bring up again, and we'll, we'll talk about this next time. But you can look at um, the lessons in A Course in Miracles, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And if I defend myself, I am attacked. So if I'm defending myself, right, then I must be believing I've been attacked. So I'm making that attack real. So if I can realize, oh, I don't need to defend myself because this attack that I'm perceiving isn't actually real. It's just in my perception. So remember I, I said that, you know, sometimes I feel people in my family are judging me, but it doesn't really bother me because I, I just know those judgments are meaningless. My family's judgments about me are just as meaningless as my judgments are about anything in the world. So I don't need to make any of these judgments meaningful. They will never have real meaning. This thing will never be real. They're just illusions and delusions. But we can look at that more more closely. I, I realize I've been neglectful and that um, people, a couple of wonderful people put some questions in the question box. I'd like to take um, a minute, a few, couple minutes here to, um, to address them. So Lorraine brought back up about the idea of you decide for me. So it's really that 
She says, I'm willing to turn over all my decisions to the higher Holy Spirit self, but I can't figure out how to know what the decision is. Uh, and so how do we know what the decision is? It's one of the things is we train ourselves, Lorraine, to have trust and faith that we'll know when we know. We'll have trust and faith to know when we'll know. And I'll give you an example of it um, that was beautiful from um, someone in Masterful Living um, that is just a perfect story of it, that um, she, uh, Anna Marie, she is the full-time caregiver for her husband. And she's been so for a very long time. and. Um, he um, he needed to have some dental work done, some root canals, and she was very concerned about how disturbing this might be for him just to go to the dentist and then never mind having the surgeries. And so she was very concerned about this and very concerned about how hard it would be on her husband. And so she was... Um, considering all the different ramifications and should she put her husband through this and uh, making the appointments and how to handle it all. She's very concerned about it because she just loves him so dearly and she's his caregiver. And so um, she spoke to me about it and I said, just give it to the Holy Spirit. Don't try and figure it out. You're trying to figure it out through logic. You're trying to figure it out through analysis, you're, you're just, it's all ego. Whenever you're trying to figure anything out like that, it's just ego. Let it go. Allow yourself to be guided. Let spirit decide for you. When, where, why, how, or if even. So she decided to do that, and she was very committed to it. And in a few days, she knew it was the right thing to do. She called, she made the appointment, she booked it. And everything went well. And um, what I said to her is, I would venture to say that if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't really given it to the Holy Spirit, um, and then really let it go, because she did. And that's how, when she knew it was the right thing, she knew it. There was no doubt in her mind. She didn't second guess it. She just went, moved forward, and it went swimmingly now if she had doubted and thought well i guess he really does have to have these surgeries can't put them off forever he's going to have to do it uh, if she went into it with that fearing that it would be difficult for her husband that it would be traumatic for him no doubt it would have been probably and uh that it, they might have had difficulties getting there you never know flat tire you never know all kinds of things that it could occur but even if none no things occurred on the way if she was trepidatious and worried about it she her experience would have been unpleasant the whole way through and she would have transferred that by proximity and connection with her husband she would have transferred it to him and he probably would have had a difficult time as well so, you know, there are all kinds of ramifications based on our projections. So that's a great example of you decide for me and how do you know. 
And I, I really questioned Donna Marie about it. I said, how did you know? And she said, uh, over and over again, she just said, I just knew. I just knew it was the right thing. And I felt good about it right away. I made the decision and I didn't second guess it. I totally relaxed. All the anxiety was gone. But what she did going up to that was she gave it to the Holy Spirit and she let herself forget about it. She, she, she put it on the altar and she didn't take it off. And that's something we can train ourselves to do. You know, she, she had been in masterful living for a couple of years at that point. So that's a, a, a very helpful example for trust and faith. So Spirit must have wanted to save that for now. Angel writes in, I'm experiencing so much fear right now. I own a metaphysical spiritual store and all the expenses are piling up for this month. I need a new sign before July 5th for a big event. Quarterly sales taxes are due and inventory is running low and I have no savings. On top of everything, I need to move out of my apartment by the 1st and need to pay for help to keep the shop open while I'm gone to the retreat coming up. I'm fighting panic constantly. Help. I recognize how I created this all for myself in so many ways. I'm afraid I will lose the shop and still owe all the money for the business loan I took out. I keep feeling like I failed horribly and will disappoint everyone terribly and lose the first job I've ever truly loved. Thank you for, your, for everything. Prayers and love and advice are greatly appreciated. So we're praying with and for you angel and it's again it's having the trust and faith in the holy spirit to absolutely handle it i had a um an experience that i could say is different but similar in the ministry a few years ago where some things happened that um, were just a big internal mess with the, uh, all the payments and everything. that just was a big mess. And um, some people had made some choices that um, created this massive data confusion. And, um, and then the people that had uh, instigated that, then they, they left and they weren't there to take responsibility or clean it up. They just abandoned ship. And um, uh, so I didn't have people to help me take care of it. I didn't know how to take care of it. And um, it was just, it felt like this huge implosion, explosion. And um, so I, I just said, this to spirit i said well this is your ministry this is your ministry and i am you know a lot of people say uh, like i used to watch the west wing and people would always say i serve at the pleasure of the president right so i, I said this is your ministry i am here to serve uh so you want to tear this ministry down build it back up again you want to transform it? You want to shut it down? You want me to go be a waitress in Chicago or live in a cave in Tibet? Or I, 
I'm, I'm here to serve. You just tell me what I'm to do and I'll do it. But I, I'm not going to figure this out because I can't. I don't know how. I'm not even going to try. And everything resolved itself. Within 24 hours, I knew, oh, I could hire this person. They could probably figure that out. And then one thing led to another. And, um, and actually, it was one of, a great thing that happened. Um, it was a financially challenging thing, but um, things improved uh, greatly in the running of the ministry for me because of that experience. Who knew? Who knew? But I just said, you know, God, this is yours. You do with it what I'm here to serve. This is yours. At the same time, I was all in for the ministry. I wasn't backing down. I was just not saying, I'm going to try to work my will here and figure this out. I was saying, God, you decide for me. You lead me. You guide me. And like I said, just same with Anna Marie, I knew that I knew what to do, and I did what I was guided to do. So that's the thing is, we, if we don't trust our ability to listen, that, that's where it becomes challenging. But it, it's, it's not that we're not being told in every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, what the guidance is. It's always there for us. It is never not there for us. It's just if we have ears to hear and eyes to see. And lastly, we have Heather writing in, uh, a couple of classes ago, you talked about physical healing. I don't remember exactly, but I think you said there are layers, mental, emotional, and then physical. I would love if you could elaborate on this as I'm struggling with chronic pain. Um, and uh, prayers for Heather. We're praying with you and for you, Heather. So... Um, a Course in Miracles tells us that pain is a wrong perspective. It's a wrong perspective. So it's, yes, it's a wrong perception, but it's a wrong perspective. So the perspective is that I am a body, that I am not free, that I am something other than what I truly am. That is the thing that causes the pain. We think that we're separate. That is the thing that causes the pain. And it's really uh, physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. It all comes filtering through from our beliefs. And so pain is often a wake-up call. And there's a lot of times we just can't understand the root causes of pain. We can't, trying to understand why everything is as it is, is it's kind of like a fool's errand because we don't have to understand why everything is the way that it is in order to have a healing of it. We just have to be willing to have a healing of it. Why do we want to understand all the causes of it? Because we want to prevent it from happening again and because we want to lay blame. We want to know who do I blame for this? Do I blame myself? Do I blame somebody else? Where did I go wrong? We want to know those things so we never go wrong again. But the way to avoid going wrong again, quote-unquote wrong again, is to live from our loving heart. That's the way to never go wrong again. 
Because let's face it, right? We're all grown-ups. How many times, I mean, I, I'll just speak very candidly here. I know for myself that I learned when I was 14 years old, if you have too much alcohol to drink, you're going to feel terrible when, when you sober up. You feel terrible. So that's why I only ever got drunk once in my life, and I only had one hangover. No, I had hundreds of hangovers, maybe thousands of hangovers. I don't even know how many hangovers I had in my life. Right? I didn't have two hangovers or ten hangovers. Hundreds, maybe thousands, before I finally said, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. But it's not like I didn't know every time I was drinking excessively that I was going to have a hangover. So knowing what the consequences are and how you got to those consequences, like knowing that drinking too much was going to lead to a hangover just didn't prevent me from drinking too much. It never did, right? I mean, many of us have had experiences where we know if we have sex with that person, we're going to feel terrible afterwards. Does it prevent us from doing it? Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. So is it the information that prevents us from doing it? It does not. Information is not healing. It's not preventative. Love is. Because when we love ourselves, we don't put ourselves through that. That's the healer. Love is the healer. That's it right there. So we love ourselves enough to have trust and faith in spirit, not in our judgments and our opinions. Wow, I love these trust and faith classes. Yay. So let us pray. Sorry, I don't have any time for questions, but we're so far over. So we take a breath of love and gratitude and we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we say yes. We say yes to having trust and faith. We say yes to getting up from the pig farm and going home to be welcomed, to be loved, to be adored, to be treasured by spirit. We're saying yes to liberating from being defensive and being attacking and the, repeating these patterns, even though we know they're so unhealthful. We're saying yes to our liberation. We're saying yes to our healing. We're saying yes to prosperity and abundance. We're saying yes to life without pain and suffering. <coughs> We're saying yes to eternal joy, true freedom, wisdom and clarity. So grateful and thankful to say a special blessing for each and every one of us that we're giving all of the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. We're putting all of our troubles on the altar and we're cultivating the ability to listen, to truly listen to divine guidance and inspiration, knowing that we're all being led and guided home, home to perfect joy. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone we let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. <coughs> mm. Much love, everybody. Mwah.
Have a great week. Ha, ha, ha.